Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Mic check one two. <clears throat> Mic check one two. Hearing all these letters read aloud by damsels not in distress. Host came to impress. Bitch, check your DMs. This is hot off the press. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Chloe. I'm Lauren. And we're so excited about our guest today. But first and foremost, we have some groundbreaking news. So my sister asked my thoughts about setting Chloe up with one of her friends. And clearly I was like, I'm down because this is phenomenal content. And I asked Chloe and Chloe says that I can give out her number. My sister asked me to send some pics. Clearly, I only send her headshots and um, and like our cover photo for this podcast. Anyway, we digress. And um, Chloe then goes ahead and begins chatting with the man. Um, the only salacious detail that I've been offered is that they were discussing what Chloe's been post-fading, which honestly would be a piece of information that I too would care about. So, uh, Chloe, why don't you update us on how this setup is going and, um, also what you're post-mating? Um, it's going well. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, you reminded me that I forgot to text him back, so I'm going to text him back today. Um, I'm postmating egg chuck by my house. It's kind of like what is egg it? Chuck. Called egg chuck. Okay. Have you ever had egg slut? Yes. Okay, it's kind of like that. They just have like different breads. Um, arguably not as good. Like, cause I think egg slut does like a brioche bread anyway. Um, yes, yeah, texted me on Friday, <laughs> and that was actually in the middle of like a very bad date that I will discuss on next week's podcast. Um, but he sent me a little surfer dude and he sent me a couple other emojis. And I was like, hey, surfer boy. Also disclosed to me that he had renovated a bar in Los Angeles. So I was like, oh, that's so impressive. Like, you know, tell me more about that. And the first picture he sent me was like a really like rundown bar. It looked like a very like old school sports Mm -hmm. bar from like 1980. And I was about to be like so supportive and be like, wow that's really cool okay good for you and then like and then he finally sent me like the updated renovated version which was like gorgeous and beautiful and I was like I was gonna be supportive either way he was like I was literally sweating trying to find the renovated picture for you um but no we were texting over the weekend he seems really nice um I wouldn't say I left him on red I just kind of forgot to text back we were talking about where we lived so you reminded me I'm going to text him back today and Breaking news, the only way I will be dating is by being set up with someone or meeting someone organically because I have officially deleted Hinge after wow. a very terrible date on Friday. Nothing um, against you, Hinge. We still want your ads. 
we still love you. We think you work for some people. It just has not been working for me recently. I'll, I'll probably be back in the future, but just needed a little break. So that is the status update there. We love it. We love it. What, what great content for this podcast. Though I'm not sure like how our uh, rhetoric or, will change if Chloe ends up getting a boyfriend. No, isn't that interesting that we would probably <laughs> have to change it up a little bit, but I've done it before. I'll do it again. So maybe, maybe then I pretend to like be single, but I still like have Brian, but I like make up all these stories and it like becomes an improv exercise. <laughs> you feel like, I feel like this podcast, if you had ever been jealous of any of your single friends, you probably are not anymore after the horror stories you've heard on this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to agree. <laughs> Hanky wave on that. <laughs> Exactly. It's like you get the single experience without being single. You get the best of both worlds. Um, yeah. But speaking of very successful LA men, we have a great one on the podcast today. Let's go chat. All right, guys. We're so excited to welcome Jared Goldstein to the podcast. Thanks for joining us, Jared. Thanks for having me. Of course. And Jared is an actor and comedian. You can catch him on The Unicorn on CBS now. And can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Yeah. <laughs> I can. I really would actually love to tell you about that because a journey it was. Um, So I, uh, it was my very first Zoom audition. Um, I've been making tapes like usual for auditions, you know, from before pandemic, within pandemic, but that was my very first like live Zoom audition. And I was, I was not in LA. I was in New York because I, I got dumped. And I was so sad and I ran home um, and I was uh, with my family, which was nice. Um, and this was over the summer. And um, yeah, I, I, I logged into the Zoom and it just took forever. And it was to audition for two lines for like a part that just had two lines in one episode. And I had to wait a while like in the Zoom waiting room. And then once like the actual audition happened, um, as soon as I started speaking, my phone went off and my phone is like connected to my computer. So my computer went off. I could, and I was getting a text from my mom who was downstairs. She wanted to know what to order for dinner. So an urgent text. So, very urgent. Um, and I could hear her phone, you know, beep booping so as soon as i go to speak it's just like um and then i was like uh, okay thank you bye and that was like the end of the zoom and i just couldn't i was like it was over before it started i was interrupted i couldn't believe like what had happened um and then sure enough all those tapes that i made and like really worked on and did a bunch of takes. None of that work turned on to anything, but that one ridiculous Zoom turned into a job. Uh, and then I, I had to get back to LA and I had to, you know, get tested and make sure that like I was okay to work and cleared to work. And it was just a wild, wild, wild situation. And then it was my first time working in seven months and I was so excited to get to work, but then also like, he just didn't know what to expect, you know, because it's like I it's stressful enough being on a set that isn't like mm-hmm. one that you're normally on. But then to also be like working with these new parameters and precautions um, 
And it just, I really felt like I was like acting on the moon or something. Mm-hmm. Like just the face shields, the masks, like the whole set is sanitized in between every take. So every take we would hand our props back, leave the room, they would spray the whole room down and then we would come back in and do it again. And it's like this loop of just all day, just like clearing the room, they sanitize, you come back in, they move the camera, you clear the room, they sanitize, they come back in. And it, it, it takes a while, um, but it's it's incredible what they're doing because they uh, have not had any outbreaks uh, to, up until this yeah. point um, on, on their set. And this odds are just so, especially in LA, are so stacked against them. It's like, I had to, I went back for a couple more episodes, which was again, so, so exciting. Um, But then also like really scary because it was like peak, like this was like December 16th, 17th. We were like getting up into the 30, 40,000 cases a day. Like just, I don't know what I'm doing, but like we just I it's like I've already lost so much work because of this pandemic it's like yeah. we got I have to do what we have to do and they, they they're just they're doing such a great job I'm so grateful to that experience it was so fun they kept everybody safe and I I just I can't say enough good things about the unicorn on <laughs> CVS <laughs> but I do want to hear because you said you were in New York so you were dating somebody in New York or what was the deal there no this was here in LA and, okay um, it feels like eons ago, truly. Like it was over the summer. We had three thousand cases a day. Things felt pretty manageable, and yeah, started seeing this guy, and it was really great. And I, I, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm gonna have a boyfriend, and I've never had a boyfriend, and now I'm gonna have one. And what a great time to have one. Uh, and then two months in, he just dumped my ass. Ooh. Um, yeah. And then I just was so sad. I couldn't be in my house. I was like, everything in the house reminded me of him. And I was like, that's the, the mouthwash that he likes. And like, no. <laughs> I just couldn't be in this. I had to get out and I just ran home. Yeah. How yeah. did you guys meet? So you met like during the pandemic? Yeah. Tinder. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I am a I'm a loyal Tinderist. <laughs> yeah, I was just I've telling Lauren I'm so good hinge. I'm usually like that with Hinge, but I need a break. Yeah. Yeah, well I I joined Hinge uh recently and uh a friend of mine was like, Oh you gotta get on Hinge. It's all about Hinge. <laughs> and I just I just didn't it's it's too slow for me and it's just like not connecting and I'm just I just uh, Tinder works and don't if it isn't broke, you know, don't fix it and well can you tell us a little bit about like your dating history and then also want to hear about like how you got into comedy kind of how those two inform each other and all that good stuff sure I don't have a big dating history because I've never had a boyfriend mm-hmm. um so hoping for a big dating future <laughs> um, <laughs> But even that right now, it's like, I think, I think we all realized like once the second wave started, like it just, everything had to just fully just stop. Um, So I have been FaceTime dating, um, (laughs) which has been really fun, actually, like like, so fun. Um, I feel like I'm in a, in like a New Yorker article about dating in a time of COVID or something. It feels very like twee um so that's that's been 
interesting. Um, but my for, for comedy, my my comedy history. I guess I, I started um, like six years ago, um, and yeah, I just um, I I was I'm an actor. I was a child actor, um, and I was in LA, and I was just struggling and felt really frustrated and kind of stuck. And I just thought like, okay, what what do I really want to do? And came up with hair and stand up. But those are the only things I feel like I would be passionate about. So let me try stand-up because it's free and I can just go try it. And then when it's bad, I'll move back to New York and I'll become a hairstylist. And how fun, how fun would that be? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I just started going to open mics. And um, yeah, you know, when, you know, when you're at mics, you realize it's, like a, it's such a culture and people are, you know, they're going all night, four or five mics, they go every day. Um, so I just thought, okay, like I'm not really, seems like I'm not really doing it unless I'm doing that. So right away, I just started going to as many as possible, which was great because I felt really lost and bored and lonely and single and I had nothing to do. So to throw myself into something like stand up, it's like, I, I understand like why it's like mostly like lost people who get into yeah. it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I did that and I just, I really liked it and it just kind of grew and then kept growing and. And it was great because it like, I felt like I, I didn't have to, like, I would love to do hair, but it would also mean that I would just kind of put, put away the last 20 years of performing and it, and it sort of would just be like a closed chapter. Uh, so doing stand-up meant that it could like, all of that could, could still be useful to me and I could still kind of find a way to, to use that and, and, and bring it into my, my present and to my future. Yeah. You do have really nice hair, though. <laughs> Thank you so much. I feel like, I mean, people listening won't be able to see this, but I think we're giving great, like, winter sweater. Yeah. We all are, yeah. All yeah. It drops a degree in LA, and we're all like, okay, time for turn. <laughs> yeah. It's bitterly cold right now. It is really cold. Um, no, I like that joke. What is the joke you had? Because I saw you when you um, opened for Mary Beth and then at Cruel Intentions, and you were saying something about Think you're in Trader Joe's and someone texted oh. you. What is the joke? I don't want to ruin. That might have been the first time I told that joke. That's like it was. But I remember me and my friend that were there. Like we, like that was the one we like cracked up at because your delivery oh. on it was really good. Oh, thanks. Okay, are you ready? I'm gonna perform it. Yes. Can you introduce me, Chloe? Bring me on. Okay. Stage all right, guys, coming to the stage. It's Jared Goldstein. Hello. Hi, everybody. Please sit down. Oh. <laughs> Stop clapping. Um, stop. <laughs> Chill out. Um, okay, I can't remember it. <laughs> Brian, Brian, come over here and clap. Clap for him to get it going. This is her boyfriend. Come here, Brian. Come in. Come in for him. You got to clap. You can, this is a guest appearance for my boyfriend. Clap to get him going. Good job, Brian. We Brian, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow, that worked. It jogged my memory. Look at that. Okay, uh, so the joke is that um, that I uh, I have I have something of a unique look. Like one time I got a text from a friend that was like, at Trader Joe's, saw a lesbian from behind, thought it was you, and I texted back, I'm at Trader Joe's. <laughs> I'm at Trader Joe's right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the last joke I ever 
out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were so amazing there. We wanted to talk about a little bit about your stand-up, but also I know you did um, a Quibi show with Nicole Richie. And can you tell us a little bit about that too? Yeah, that was um, just the coolest, best, most fun experience I've ever had, ever. Um, Nicole Richie is everything that you would think and more. Um, so sweet and funny and smart and kind and professional, like truly like I was the diva on set. <laughs> um, and yeah, we had a great, great time. Uh, we shot that in December of 2019. Uh, it really just fell into my lap. Um, I went in for a meeting, which felt very fancy. I don't often have meetings like that. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect. I, I just sort of thought like, okay, it'll probably be like me. And I knew that Nicole Richie was gonna be there. So that was exciting. And um, it'll probably just be like the two of us and then like a bunch of like suits. And they'll be like watching me, watch her, watch me, watch her, kind of like an awkward thing. And uh, it wasn't like that at all. It was so chill and just casual and like 20 minutes into just like truly just talking. Um, they were like, okay, so we'll have a fitting for you in a couple of weeks and we'll get started. And I was like, huh? And I just kind of like just went with it. I was like, okay, just act, act natural. <laughs> and then I left and the first thing I did was I had to call my sister because I was like, I just met Nicole Richie and good Charlotte was there. And I just had to tell her. Uh, and I called her, I was like standing in front of like a, like a Del Taco on the street. And I just called her and I was like, I think I'm going to be on a TV show with Nicole Richie, but I don't know. <laughs> um, and then, you know, sure enough, a few weeks later we got started and they really just like threw, threw us into it. Like it's true. Like nobody really like at the time knew what Quibi was even going to be and what any of it was and just showed up on set and just started working and then kind of figured out what it was on set and and then it was it was just so fun we had so much fun I, i've never laughed so much oh that's awesome yeah i noticed i felt like there were a lot of kind of like up-and-coming comedians on quibi shows like i know mary beth did punch didn't she yeah yeah that was such an exciting thing about it especially at the time um quibi was giving so many people like their first jobs like so many of my friends who I had like known through comedy and open mics and you know just sort of like starting together got their first writing jobs on Quibi shows or got their first like acting jobs on Quibi shows and um yeah it, it was it was just <laughs> it was so exciting we're all like this is great this is great um and uh and then you know Happened. Well, I wanted to ask you because I saw that you had a video of your stand-up where you talked about like, this is one of the only times you'll actually see me talking about what it's like to be gay. And I was curious, like, is there a reason that you just recently started talking about that? Or like, what made you want to start talking about it during the pandemic? Is it the one about like the butt sex? <laughs> Yeah, and you're like, I might have to poop. Oh, oh, okay, that was, okay, that was sarcasm. <laughs> okay, 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 got it. Yeah, all I do is talk about being gay. Yeah, no, because I'm constantly, that's all I talk about. I'm obsessed with being gay and straight people. And yeah, I guess that, but I think that was maybe like one of the first like uh, stand-up clips that I'd put on the internet because I just, up like up until like, uh, until like March of last year, like I wasn't, I just wasn't really like that, on the internet or like mm. at least that like 
putting my comedy on the internet. Like if you were to like go look at my Instagram, like you would gather that I was a comedian, but you would not understand anything about what it what it is that I was doing because I never really posted clips. And like if you looked at my Twitter, like I would tweet once every two months. Like it was pretty like I, I was really very into the IRL. You know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> get me in a room with people. Um, but then, yeah, once once everything shut down, we had to kind of it yeah <laughs> seriously a way to, to to do what we like doing um but um but yeah i really like that that show that was from um ucb subculture i think like last like november I, I went to new york for the new york comedy festival and just had the best time ever and that was just one of the shows that i got to do and so fun my, my friend noah finling took the video He's a comedian. He's so funny. Follow him. <laughs> yeah. Well, what has it kind of been like to have to shift? Because I feel like, you know, like I do, I dabble in the comedy realm too. And it's like, I feel like there's so much you can do now. Like there's TikTok, there's Instagram. There's so many places you can put stuff out. And have you been like, it sounds like you've been doing that more in quarantine. Have you done any like Zoom comedy shows or? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's been, um, it's been varying degrees of um, humiliating. <laughs> <laughs> I I I've, I've got, I got on TikTok. Uh, a friend of mine was like, "You gotta get on TikTok. You gotta get on TikTok. It's so fun. You'll have so much fun." And I was like, "Okay, fine." And started kind of like toying around with it and watching videos. And and then I realized that what you could do, one thing you could do on TikTok was um, put a screenshot of your tweet behind you in a green screen and then just read the tweet. And if it's like a viral tweet, it'll just go viral again on TikTok. And I was like, okay, well, I can do that. Like, we can start there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was great. So I was doing that for a while and it was like totally working. And if I had a tweet that, you know, had fun on Twitter, I would take a picture of it, put it behind me, say it out loud, put it on TikTok. It would have a lot of fun there too. But then somewhere like, I did that for like six months. And then somewhere like the, the I guess the, like the, the taste had changed. And that is now um, a really bad thing to do. Mm. and you shouldn't do that and if you do that you're actually really bad and you're gross and I was just getting bullied by all these children I told her that's how I feel they always bully me they're so mean oh my god they're like one comment was like uh it, it started with like one comment that was like where'd you like where did you find that tweet lol and I was like huh like it's my tweet. you can see it's my tweet you respond it's my tweet <laughs> that's weird and then like the next one i did it was like more of that and i was like wait what and then the comments turned into like instead of like being like lol or whatever it would be like one of them was like um i can't believe this guy um so shameless posting his own tweets wearing the same sweater he's wearing in his profile picture and i was like So I took a screenshot, I sent it to my youngest friend and was like, what is happening? What is happening? Why are they doing this to me? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, TikTok, it's only like, you're supposed to lip sync. Like you're not supposed to use- How old is your youngest video. friend? Um, she is 24. Okay, I was going to say, I feel like it's all 15 year olds on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even, even my 24 year old friend feels like she, uh, she needs uh, like a bridge to gap the- uh, mm-hmm. The, the culture and the taste of TikTok, but um, but yeah, somewhere the the tide turned. We are done 
with reading our own tweets on TikTok. Uh, and now the thing is my whole page, if you go to my page, it's like 10, that's all it is, is 10 videos of me reading my tweets out loud <laughs> and kids making fun of me for being a shameless loser for doing that. I deleted it off my phone. I ran with my tail between my legs and I haven't <laughs> looked back. I, I don't know. So I'm like, either I'm deleting my tweets or I'm delete or deleting TikTok off my phone. I'm just humiliated on a daily basis by social media. And I just, uh, if we can just get back into a room again and just be people and talk to each other and just kind of share. Oh man, I would really like that because the internet is, um, you know, no one's talking about this, but internet kind of toxic. Yeah. <laughs> That's my unique individual <laughs> internet. Hot take. Uh, yeah, I refuse to get on TikTok. It's become problematic in uh, me and Chloe's relationship. But um, yeah, I'm just afraid of the kids bullying me. I bully myself enough, you know. I don't need these kids to come on and bully me. So no TikTok mm. for me. And they're mean. They can be really mean. You know who else we had on? I think you guys were friends. Uh, Dana Donnelly was saying that she was trying to do that on TikTok. That, that is my friend who I who I sent the text to. Yeah. Oh, it was. <laughs> That's the twenty four year old friend. Oh, no, Dana is the person who showed me that you can put your tweets behind you and just read them. That but they came so for funny. her on that too. She was like, "I don't get it because people will put my tweets up and they'll get like." thousands of likes on it but then when I do it they're like mad at me it's so crazy it's so crazy that I mean like I would liken that to like going to like a like a like a book signing where like an author is reading their book and being like boo read someone else's (laughs) book you fucking hack what are you reading your own book you're obsessed with yourself you damn shameless what are you using your words those are your words you fucking hack and by the way I am a I, I do literature and I am an author um, and that is how I view uh, my contribution Twitter. to culture. Um, <laughs> I know, I have not cracked TikTok code. But um, speaking of humiliating, Jared, I have a confession to make to you. Um, oh. I'm somewhat embarrassed about. So I moved here in June 2019, and you had a listing on Craigslist for an open room in your apartment. And I was so thirsty to live with you. Like, you have, I think I sent you like an Instagram message. I was like, Please let's live together. I have so many gay friends. Like as you, as if you fucking cared. Like I was like, I was like, please live with me. And you never responded. And I was like, oh. oh my god, that is so funny. Wait, so you you DM me on like Instagram? Yeah, I messaged you on Craigslist probably twice. It's because I was like so. I'm so thirsty to live with you. And then I messaged you on Instagram, and I was like, Chloe, you need to chill. This guy thinks you're fucking crazy. That is so funny. I would have loved to live with you. Oh, no, I know. Well, it was hard because, like, I was looking at all these open rooms, and I think, like, I'm sure you were probably getting, like, hundreds of requests, and then I just ended up, like, linking with someone and finding our own place that way. Like, I think it's better to, like, look for a whole apartment because the rooms are so competitive, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, The first time that I moved into this apartment, um, I moved into the whole apartment with a friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was, like, a great experience until it wasn't even... It looks like a really nice apartment. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. I've been here for 10 years. Wow, 10 years? Yeah. Wow. As long as I've been in LA, I've been here. I haven't lived anywhere else. That's crazy. Yeah, I I feel very lucky. I love it. 
Yeah. yeah, I felt like I needed to admit that to you because I'm going to be like promoting this on Instagram and my last message will be like, hey, please live with me. That is so funny. Yeah, that's yeah, why I was the one that messaged you. I was, like, Don't, I was like, I can't message you. I said something weird last time. <laughs> yeah, over the years, I've had so I've had so many people come through and come by and like I've had so many different types of roommates and it is, it's a part, it's a part of life. It's a part, especially, you know, in LA it's like it's such a it's a it's a it's an experience in and of itself that's so funny all right well speaking of being in LA and the comedy scene um today our letter writer is you guessed it moved to LA and in the comedy scene so dear damsels I moved to LA right before the pandemic to pursue my (laughs) lifelong dream of being a comedian I'm from Grand Rapids Michigan and not going to lie part of the reason I wanted to move to LA was also to have a more fulfilling dating life as a gay man there wasn't a ton of a community in Grand Rapids even just to be friends with I was also thinking that dating in LA could be part of my comedy now that there's the pandemic both my comedy career and dating life haven't really seemed to take off when I can do both these things How do you get comfortable using your personal life in your comedy? I'm in a bit of a dark spot since I can't do the things I moved here for. So maybe that's why it feels so daunting to be honest in my comedy. How do you cross the bridge of accepting that your life is on the internet? Sincerely, simultaneously scared and stimulated by the limelight. I I could have written the same letter for myself. Um, I have the same questions. I am both um, thirsty for and uh, deeply afraid of the limelight. Um, I don't know how to... uh, confront the the reality that my life is is online and i uh, i'm not from grand grand rapids michigan but uh i'm from long island and can't be too different yeah i mean i relate to this because i moved here like june 2019 and i had like a little bit of time and a little bit of time to do like the open mic scene i did things at like lyric hyperion and ucb open mic nights But like you said, I think it is just kind of transitioning into this internet world and it's a little uncomfortable. And I kind of talked to Mary Beth about this too, because I'm on Twitter. I also have like a corporate job. So I'll like tweet something and be like, oh shit, like they're going to see that. Like, but at the same time, you put it on the internet, you can see how it does. You can also delete it too. That is kind of something nice about the internet that's not in real life comedy. Like you can't delete like something you said in front of an audience, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. But also oh. something that you say in front of an audience is only in front of that audience. True. It's like you get to work on your material 20 people at a time. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like every single thing you put out there is act- is accessible to literally the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is so stressful. It's so stressful. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just, ugh, like, please let me feel like a hacky, unfunny loser. Mm. in a room full of 15 people like let me just do it there (laughs) right I mean I think that's where you get the most practice too but I took a zoom comedy class like earlier on and I mean that was kind of nice if you're trying to work on your material and stuff but yeah I think there's like there's positive and negative to both right like you can delete something but then I get feeling like you're not getting that like in-person experience that you really moved here for too yeah I mean it's tough it's like um you're living in LA right now is not the experience of living in LA living anywhere right now is not really that experience um and it's it's hopefully it's temporary and um yeah right now it's like there's luckily there are a ton of avenues like through which you can explore comedy 
Um, and right now, there's they're just like live stand-up as we knew it is just not viable now or for the foreseeable future. So I would recommend just, you know, getting on Twitter, getting on TikTok, making videos, take a screenwriting class, an acting class. Like there's just other ways that you can um, you can develop your sense of humor while um, like making a name for yourself within a community. Uh, mm -hmm. Because these Zoom shows, Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, on, on one hand, like I'm glad for them because it's something yeah. uh, and they're safe and you can do them. And I've done some Zoom college shows, which has been like tough, but great. Um, and on the other hand, it's just, it's absolutely hell on earth. I mean, just to take that ring light down at the end of the night, it's just like, <laughs> I really feel like a clown. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely not a comedian. Um, I'm an actor. And I think that when we started this podcast, like it definitely gave me a lot of anxiety talking about myself and my experiences on here. And still, like, there will be certain things that I say that I'm like, oh, do I really want to say that? And I think one of the best pieces of advice that my therapist gave me is like, make a list of things that you really do not want on the internet, because then you know your boundaries. So like, if you mm -hmm. have like a couple of things like, I don't know, it's things that you're uncomfortable talking about in front of people, like your deepest secrets that you don't want to know, then you have that on your list. And those are your boundaries that you won't get into. That means like your other stuff is on limits. And of course, sometimes you get comfortable talking to people on a podcast or in a show. And like, maybe you say a little bit more. But if you know your boundaries and the things that you're not comfortable with, I do think that it helps to like, when you're revealing your life online, know that like, you're not putting anything that wasn't in your boundary list. That's yeah. smart. And then, or, or at the very least, when you start to like dip your toe into the boundary, yeah, <laughs> at least you know that you are. Yes. Because I, I, I guarantee most of that list that you write of things you don't want to talk about, there a lot of them are probably the things you shouldn't be talking about. Well, and mm -hmm. that I think is the nice thing about it too, because like as you go on with the things that you know you're comfortable with talking about, you slowly get more comfortable talking about your life online. And then you can slowly draw back from your boundary list and let more things that you maybe were uncomfortable when you were first starting your comedy career. But a year on, you might be comfortable with everything that was originally on your list. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, I know TikTok, the kids can be really mean on there, but also like, it is kind of nice to see like experiences, not just with like, comedy but like with like dating like I'll see like a model be on there and be like this guy treated me like shit and I'm like okay like it's not just me like dating sucks for everyone right now and I just feel like just with us all being on our phones all being on the internet it like TikTok and things like that has been kind of nice to like find people that you can relate to their experiences too so it is a double-edged sword but it can be good sometimes yeah yeah that's the thing it's like that's what keeps you coming back is like the good parts and then it's it is very it does it kind of feels like we're all yeah like this double edged we're all kind of dancing along this like blade yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's very exciting is it gonna hurt <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. well no and Lauren I forget what what you which podcast you mentioned this on but the thing with the classes too that's really cool is like people can be in those classes that don't even live in LA or New York and they can yeah. like try new things and you can meet new people that you would have never met. 
in person. Cause if it was like an in-person class in LA, someone from New York that could be a good connection isn't going to be in that class. So classes are a great way to get involved too right now. Yeah. And that is one, that is one great thing about these Zoom shows. They're like, they're, they're just all across the country. Mm-hmm. You can be on lineups with comedians from all across the country. Yeah. For sure. something. And I'm currently in a Zoom acting class and my first scene is with someone in Dublin. In the last couple months of like, being more locked down than ever um i have really leaned into like just self-improvement like what can i do within like the confines of my house on a daily basis to work on myself yeah it's meditating or reading reading a pilot you know working out whatever it is we can there's a lot that we can do from home yeah for sure like I'm starting to get into that phase I definitely went through like the alcoholic phase where I was just like drinking a bottle of wine at night like, it's right, fun let's... that's a good yeah. part too you should do that too. I did that like over the summer I was yeah. like I, I really I've like always romanticized like the kind of person who drinks like one drink a night every night mm-hmm. because I've never been like that no. um, I'll just go like weeks and weeks without drinking uh and then I'll like just hit it so hard like a werewolf <laughs> And have so much fun, but then be so hungover and just like it's always like such a party thing for me. Yeah. Um, so like in quarantine, like one of the things I did to keep myself busy was like, ooh, for the next month, I'm gonna have one drink a night every night, no more, no less. And I and yeah, look, I cheated here and I'm gonna have two or three. Like the nights that I could get like a few days in a row with just one drink every single night. Ah, I mean, it's such a the luxury to make yourself a drink every night and have that one drink and then cut yourself off. Just uh, James Bond. You're James Bond. <laughs> I always draw this like self-control parallel to like the movie Twilight. God, this is so dumb. But you know, when like she turns into a vampire and like she can't drink human blood and she like restricts herself from doing that. I was like, yeah, if I would like turn into a vampire, I definitely, I'd be able to stay away from human blood. I can't, <laughs> if I open a bag of Pringles, like, or a box of Pringles, I'm eating the whole thing. I have no self-control. So like, I would be the worst vampire in Twilight. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. It's kind of fun. Like, it's like I try not to demonize my lack because it's like I do have a ton of self control. Like that's it, as made evidence by like the discipline of like exercise and like cutting cutting out sugar, cutting out dairy, cutting out gluten or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when I when I go for it, I'm like just absolutely go for it, and it feels like the other side of a coin where it's like if I'm gonna like I, I just I don't want to demonize any of it if I can't yeah. avoid that you know no because that's even worse like especially now we're all going through a hard time like beating yourself up over having a cookie is stupid yeah oh my God, like, I love cookies cookies, <laughs> okay, wait, cookies are my weakness what kind of cookies do you like can we talk about this okay have you guys ever been to Levain Bakery in New York of course those are my cookies like they're so that- good I freeze them so that whenever I'm depressed, I have them there. Can I tell you, two days ago, my mom FaceTimed me so I could watch her eat a Levine cookie. Aww. It was uh, it was extremely erotic. For, to, yeah, uh, I believe an activity it. to do with your mother. But, you know, I kind of just put You're it like on slower. my face. <laughs> and I just enjoyed, she like put the crumbly melty in, inside up to the camera. She yeah. took a bite. She made some noises. I, mean, <laughs> I was like, in heaven. I can tell you in LA, there is no Levain, but no. 
there is a, uh, a cookie place called the Milk Jar that oh. is pretty close. It's pretty close. And they have more flavors. And they have a, a white chocolate macadamia nut that, I mean, I didn't even know I liked white chocolate macadamia. I don't think I like it. Oh, it is so buttery. It's like it looks like a scone. It's like that Levain style, like fat. Cookie. Yes, yes. Um, and I want them thick, really thick. Yes, and, I've been, and it has <laughs> like huge chunks of macadamia nuts, white chocolate. The bottom is so brown, golden, <gasps> toasted. The inside is like a little bit like granular doughy. Oh my god! I've been eating it for like months, and then just for the first time, like a week ago, I was like, I looked at my air fryer, and I was like. I put it in the air fryer. Oh my God. It's like it's fresh out the oven. It's like toasty on the outside. It's soft on the inside. It, oh my God. I cannot recommend enough. If you are. Oh my God, I need an air fryer. I can attest air fryers are the best. I love them. Get yourself a a milk jar macadamia nut white chocolate cookie. Put it in there for three minutes. Oh my God. I absolutely, I obsess about sweets. I love them. I could talk about Me them. Me too. Forever. Me too. Jared, I want to give you some time. Can you tell people, do you have any Zoom shows coming up? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, at Hey Jared Hey everywhere. And if you, if you follow, if you follow my TikTok, you know, kind of get in the comments, defend me. All right. Get in the mix there. Say, Hey, you know what? Actually, Leave them alone. <laughs> Jared, I'll defend you from a private account because I don't want them coming for me. I'll make an account to defend you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for the record, TikTok teens are right and I am wrong. Uh, and I know that. Um, but, um, but yeah. You've so never I'm listened. Like, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> oh, well, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, Jared. Thank you, yeah, this Jared. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. What a great chat. Beautiful conversation, beautiful person. Yeah, it's actually so funny because as I mentioned, I'm taking my improv class final uh, this coming week. And a lot of the people in it are comedians and they were talking about like doing their Zoom stand-up shows. And um, I feel like I'm around a lot of comedians because of like this podcast and the comedians in my improv class. So I feel like I'm like comedian adjacent. Like I'm not a comedian, but I know like about their world and everything. So whenever I like hear them in my improv class, like jibber jabbering about like some comedian on like so-and-so's show and how they're trying to get this comedian to be on their show, I'm always like, Beautiful world you live in, but I like hearing about it, but I'm glad I'm not in it. (laughs) Which speaking of, I have a comedy show coming up that everyone should attend. I'm finally giving in to the Zoom comedy shows. It's on February 3rd um, from 6 to 8. Tickets are donation-based, and it's at the link in my Instagram bio, Chloe underscore Dietrich. So you guys should come. All right, guys, write us your letters. Subscribe, rate, review. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.